0: Thank you so much for listening to today's podcast of the teaching at Life Journey Church in Crozet, Virginia. We believe that the gospel really is good news, that the blood of Jesus worked, and that Jesus meant it when he said, It is finished. In Christ, we are dead to sin and alive to God, forgiven and free, clean and close, holy and beloved, blessed and made new. If God is doing something special in your life, we would love for you to tell us about it. You can simply email us at info at One of the reasons we are able to provide these weekly podcasts is because of the generosity of people like you. If you would like to support the proclamation of the gospel of the grace of God, you can make a donation now on our website, lifejourneyva.com.
1: We are marching towards Easter um, we, we're finishing up this, uh, gosh, uh, eight, nine months that we've been doing on, uh, in Jesus's own words, trying to get to know Jesus a little bit better, a little bit clearer. Um, and, and we're marching our way towards Easter. We're gonna, we're gonna wrap this whole thing up on Easter Sunday, and we're following Jesus as he's kind of making his way towards uh, Jerusalem. And as he's on the way towards Jerusalem, we find him in Mark 8, Uh, with a very peculiar scenario, very peculiar. In fact, it's so peculiar, it's the only time in Jesus' whole uh, three and a half years of ministry that this happens. It's the only time, at least, you know, that they wrote down that we read about today. It might happen another time, but, you know, we don't have everything that happened. We just have what they wrote down. And so we're going to take a look at this. Before we jump into it, I want us to get us thinking a little bit. We've sung a lot this morning about uh, our new life in Christ we, we, Craig read an amazing excerpt from, from that sermon he listened to on the new man. Craig read, uh, read that this morning uh, before our meeting, and you know I said to Craig, I said, why, why is this teaching of the death of the old man, the burial of the old man, and the resurrection of a brand new man of Christ, why was this absent from my entire spiritual formation? And I don't know, but it was. And it's frustrating at times, but you know, we are where we are. And um, and I wish it wasn't. I wish. I was just telling Steve outside, I wish I know, knew at age 16, 17, 18 what I know now about the gospel. Because, man, it would have saved a whole lot of headache of life, of really bad choices, and even leading other people down a path of, of a perversion of what the gospel truly is. And so, we've sung a lot about this new life in Christ. Um, we talked last week about the, 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 the mountain of transfiguration where the glory of Christ began to shine through, and we've now been given that same glory. We are one with Him, and just below the surface abides a new creation, etc. But the question that I want us to kind of focus on this morning is, is any of us Myself included, myself especially, is any of us able to see who we really are in Christ perfectly? Any of us? Are any of us able to see who we really are clearly? Now, I want to jump to the answer of no, um, because I certainly don't see it for myself of who I truly now am in Christ. Because it's so difficult, because we see, you know, through this world, we have a mind that's not fully renewed yet that is filtering all of our experiences, and so we we tend to default to the thinking of the old man of who we once were, and so it's very difficult for us to see who we truly are. Well, who are we? Quick to just bring everybody up to speed. I've got a couple of notes here that I, I wrote down of of who Jesus says we are. Um, the scripture says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21, that we are righteous. He who knew no sin, Jesus, became sin so that we might become the very righteousness of Christ, righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. So think about this. If you had a scale, I've said this before, but if you have a scale, you know, one of those kind of scales at the market, you know, that do like that, you know, you know, a scale, not the kind you step on, you know, we don't like those. Um, but the scale that does this. Um, and you put the righteousness of Jesus on this side of the scale, and you put your new righteousness on this side of the scale, we tend to think, oh, well, Jesus, his righteousness far exceeds what I have. Well, the truth is we have become his righteousness. So what does that mean? The scale balances because he has given us his righteousness. So you, the new man, is as righteous as Jesus. Can you see that? Do you see that clearly? What's well, something else he's made us? Ooh, this is a, holy. He's made us holy. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 10 says that we have been made holy. You didn't make yourself holy. It's grace. He, he does it. He does the work. But we have been made holy. Hebrews 10, 10. Now, now let me ask you, do, do you see that? Every day, when you look in the mirror, do you see, wow, that guy is holy. That gal, man, holy. But it's who you are. But we struggle to see it, don't we? We, we have the, the, the filter of, of the old thinking still. At least I do. Okay, here's another one. Hebrews, chapter 10, same chapter. A few verses later, verse 14 says, I'm not even going to say this very loud. I'm just going to whisper this one says that you are perfect. You're perfect. Now let me ask you do, you, do you see that when you look in the mirror? Do you see that when you look in your relationships with your wife, with your kids, that you have been made perfect? I don't see that. But here's the, the theme of this morning as we get into this encounter with Jesus in John uh, uh, Mark 8. Just because you can't see it doesn't mean it isn't reality. But we'll get more into that when we get to Mark chapter 8. What's something else that Jesus has made us, the new man that that Craig read about, that we've seen about, that we proclaim? Colossians chapter 2 says that we've been made complete in him. Complete. So much of life is yearning for completeness. I can't tell you how many people I've counseled throughout the years of, of relating Relationships that they've gotten themselves into seeking to be made complete by creation, a person, rather than resting in what Jesus has done, the creator of making them complete. And so they run from relationship to relationship trying to seek after being complete. But the scripture says that Jesus has made us complete now in him. Here's a hard one that Jesus says we now are in him forgiven. That's still a hard one to really wrap our minds around, even though we talk about it all the time. Why do we talk about it all the time? Because it's the good news. We're not going to talk about something that's not the good news at Life Journey Church, but the good news is that we are forgiven. 1 John chapter 2, verse 12, it says, My dear children, I write to you because your sins have been forgiven for His namesake. Now, I know Jessica's English teacher, but we don't have to be English teachers to know this. Have been forgiven. That's past tense. We're not ongoingly being made forgiven. We have been forgiven. And for whose namesake have we been made forgiven? For his namesake. And so if he's done this for his own namesake, just imagine how completely he's done it. So what we now are, who we now are, we are forgiven. And lastly, this is really hard to see. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 4 says that we're now blameless. We're blameless now in him. And so there's this tension of this is what he's made us. This is the new man. Perfect, righteous, holy, forgiven, blameless, complete. This is who we now are. This is everything our new identity, our new self. This is what Paul is imploring the, the Ephesians in Ephesians 4. Put this on. Realize what really resides just below the surface. Realize who you Put it on. Put on who you really are. He says that to the Colossians as well in Colossians 3 and 4. But here's the question of the day. Do you see perfectly who you are? And I have to shake my head and say, no, I don't see who I am. I see glimpses at times. I see little uh, sparks of revelation of, wow, yeah, I I, I, I get that. I see that. But then what happens later, 10 minutes down the road, then it's like, oh, I forgot, right? I forgot. I'm not living in that reality 10 minutes down the road. And so it's this this process. It's this, I'm on the 80-year plan, Right? But as long as we are in these bodies, we struggle to see perfectly who we really are. And so, in fact, I have the, our our famous illustration here that um, that that uh, Steve makes fun of. I'm never going to let you live that down, by the way. But I, but many of us have seen this. But I want to use it again this morning. Just for those who maybe haven't seen this, because for most people, except for Steve, uh, visual aids are, are beneficial, right? Can I get an amen on that, right? Um, but, but not for Steve for some reason. I don't know. We just need to pray for Steve. Can we just do that? Could the elders lay hands on this man back here for a second? Um, so th- this container represents, it's a picture, it represents, it's, it's, a, it's an illustration, represents our, our bodies, Right? From the scriptures, we know that we have an outer man, the flesh, the body, and we have an inner man, the spirit, the soul. And in this body is the inner man, and the inner man that we have from Adam is dead, it's decaying, it is um, has no life in it, it is a product of Adam, it's in compatible with Jesus. And this ribbon that we see, this blue ribbon, see this blue ribbon? This is a picture. It's a symbol, illustration, of sin, S-I-N. And the scriptures teach us that the outer man, the body, and the spirit, the soul, have been fused together by this thing called what? Sin. And it has joined the outer man and the inner man together. Last week, we talked about this word called circumcision for a little bit. Remember that? and what happens when a when an individual i was 13 when i began to trust christ i don't know how old you were but when you began trusting christ the bible says something supernatural happens there's a separation there's a cutting away circumcision the inner man and the outer man, which are joined together by this thing called sin, there's a cutting away. Colossians 2 says that there's a circumcision not made by hands, like a doctor and a, and a little baby, but made without hands by Christ himself. There's a cutting away of the spirit and soul from the outer man, the inner man and the outer man. And the scripture teaches us that the outer, the inner man is crucified with Christ. It died with Christ. I have been crucified with Christ, uh, Ephesians Two talks about how we were buried with him. But why were we buried with him? Why were we crucified with him? We just sang it so that we could be, starts with an R, raised with him. Well, what's raised with him? What's raised is a new man, a new creation, a new man that is now of him, that is now joined to him. A new man that is no longer from Adam in any sort of way, but a new man that is from and of Christ himself. A new man that is wed to Christ. No longer wed to the flesh, but wed to Christ. A new man that is, what did we just read? Complete, righteous, holy, blameless, forgiven, pure. Continue on. The new you, a new life, Stephen. Jeff, Mary Rose, who you really are now in Christ. And this new man abides. It resides somewhere. It resides now still in this body. Second Corinthians 4 says we have this treasure, this treasure of this union with Christ inside of these this weak earthen vessel. Talking about what? The body. Now, Does sin still live in the body? Sure, it does. But is sin in the new man? No. There is a separation. There was a cutting away. This is east. This is west. This is the kingdom of heaven. This is the kingdom of this earth. But heaven has been brought to earth, and the new man resides inside of these weak earthen vessels. But here's the question of the morning. Do we really see who we really are? Or do we still see this and define who we are? Because it makes a world of difference. See, I grew up being taught and believing that I am still, I'm saved, I'm a Christian, but I'm still a dirty, rotten worm. And I'm—and the Lord is slowly over a lifetime purging all of the worminess out of me. I die daily, the idea. And so eventually, hopefully one day, I'll become something That God could use, but that's not what the apostles wrote. That's might be what my Sunday school teachers taught and what the church taught, but that's not what the apostles wrote. The apostles wrote, I died, I was buried, the old man, and a whole new man has been raised. And so the question of the morning is how clearly do we see who we are? I want to turn now to Mark Eight. If you've got your Bible, you can go to the Bible notes, the Bible app. It's it's there as well. And as I said, we're going to take a look at the most peculiar encounters with Jesus. I think in all of 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 his ministry, in every single miracle instant, um, instance, when Jesus would heal somebody, he healed them completely and immediately. In fact, there's a couple of times when Jesus even healed somebody long distance. Remember these? I think it was a centurion. Somebody feel free to correct me, but I think a centurion came to Jesus, and he said, hey, Jesus, you know, could you help my servant? And, and Jesus says, "You know, hey, yeah, sure, you know. I'm paraphrasing. And the, and the centurion, he said, look, you don't even have to come. Look, I, I'm in authority over men, and I tell this one to go, and he goes, and this one to come, and he comes. I understand who you are. This is a Gentile saying these things. I understand who you are. You can just say it, And he will be healed long distance. You don't even have to come lay hand on him. That's pretty cool. So Jesus even healed people long distance. But every time he healed people, he healed them immediately and um, completely. Except for this one time in Mark chapter 8. And I want to read it all. We're not going to make comments. We're just going to read it all. And if you're like me... It leaves you going like this. Huh, what in the world is going on here? And it gives us a couple options of what we can do with it, and we'll pick one of those options and go from there. The Scripture says, this is Mark 8, 22, they came to Bethsaida. Let me read it out of here. Um, And they brought a blind man to Jesus. It's, It's so cool that Jesus did so many healing of blind people. A picture, I think, of our blindness as we're talking about to who we really are in Christ. We can't see it. It's not these human eyeballs that are gonna give us a revelation of who we truly are in the new man. A supernatural revelation, a supernatural eye-opening has to occur. And they brought a blind man to Jesus and implored him, Jesus, to touch the blind man. Verse 23, the blind man, Taking the blind man by the hand, he Jesus brought him out of the village. And after spitting on his eyes and laying his hands on him, he asked him, "Do you see anything?" Now, following all of other Jesus, I said we were going to provide any commentary. I lied. If you follow all of other Jesus's other ministry uh, healings. The expectation is, "Ah, all right, of course, the answer is yes. Well, let's read. Verse 24, and he, the blind man, looked up and said, this is what he said, I see men, for I see them like trees walking around. Could the blind man see? Yeah, see, not blind anymore. But could he see clearly? Could he see perfectly? Did he know what he was seeing? No. He sees John, big John walking around. He said, man, that looks like a big old oak tree. He says, Steve, he said, man, that's, that's, a, that's a little, you know, teeny dogwood. You know, he sees these people walking around like, I, I don't know what I'm, what I'm seeing. I just see trees walking around. I hear the voices, but I don't know what I'm seeing. Look at verse 25. This is so peculiar to me. Then again, okay, take two. Again, he laid his hands on his eyes and he looked, uh, sorry, sorry, I lost my spot. He laid his hands on his eyes and he looked intently and was restored. Restored and began to see everything clearly. Did you catch that? I know I messed up, I lost my place. But it says Jesus again, a second time, lays his hands on this guy's eyes. And on the second touch, if you will, he began to see clearly. Now is that not peculiar to you? It's very peculiar to me. And then in the last verse, we'll see, it just says, Jesus told him not to go back into the village. Because remember, they pulled him out of the village, and, and he said, don't go back into the village. Why? Because Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem. He doesn't want the news of the Christ, Jesus truly being the Christ, being spread, because he has a date with this thing called the cross. And so he has got an appointment to keep, And he doesn't want this man to get the news out, the word out. Because remember how Paul puts it, if even um, the rulers of this age had known that Jesus was the son of God, they wouldn't have crucified him. And so there's a mystery that Jesus wants to continue. And so when I read this, this two-stage healing, this two-stage blind to seeing thing, I think there's maybe four options. One, uh, option one, I think it's silly, but I'm going to give it to you, is that Jesus was weak. The blindness was too powerful for a single touch of Jesus, and so he had to do it twice. You know, the batteries were low that day, and so he, ha- he had to do it again, a second time. Well, I don't think that's the case. Maybe you do, but I don't think that's the case because, remember, he healed people long distance. Another option, uh, which is kind of like the first, is that Jesus is running low. On his healing powers, he hadn't spent enough time with the Father that morning. Remember, Jesus did say that the only thing I do is the what the Father is doing through me. He he was displaying this dependency on the Lord, and so maybe he didn't have enough intimacy with the Father that day, and so he had to. He was running low on his power. Maybe he was weak. Maybe he was running low on his power. Option three: maybe Jesus underestimated the power of the blindness. You know. Maybe when he would heal people, he would calculate how much power needed to go out, and he just underestimated the, the power of the blindness, and he just didn't put out enough power that time, and so he had to touch him a second time. Maybe that's what happened. I don't think so, but I'm just giving you some options of what possibly could have been going on. I think there's a fourth option, a fourth idea, and this is one we're going to go with. Maybe I'm wrong, so maybe tune out the next 10, 15 minutes, but this is what we're going to go with. Maybe Jesus is teaching something. Let's think about it. Maybe Jesus is teaching something. And that's where I think, what, what I think is going on. That Jesus could have easily, he did it a new, numerous times. He could have easily healed him one time. He didn't even have to spit in his eyes. I don't, I don't know why he did that, Drew. He just did that. I don't know. But he didn't even have to do that. But he did that. But he didn't have to do it twice. So I think Jesus is teaching us something. But what? Well, I'm going to suggest that what he's teaching us is when we are born again, we go from blind to see. Remember the old song? I once was blind, but now I see. Who teaches? We go from being blind to being able to see. But in this world... Will we ever see perfectly? Will we ever see who we really are absolutely clearly? Don't most of us walk around seeking after looking at, at who we are, the, the new man, and, and don't we kind of come away like this guy? Well, I, I see something, I, I believe, kind, but it just looks like men walking around as trees. We hear these messages, we read the scripture. And we hear it say that we are the righteousness of God, that we are holy. And, and there's definitely a resonation deep within our soul. And we say, man, I, I, I get that. I see that kind of, I, I'm with you. But man, it's really hard to really see clearly. But then there comes a day when we will see perfectly. When we will see as this man, it said in verse 25, clearly. I think that's the day when we no longer have this mind and this body to filter everything through. I think that's the day when we depart this world and we see perfectly clearly. There's a passage in 1 Corinthians chapter 13 that I want us to take a look at real quickly. And this is the Apostle Paul talking about this famous thing called love, we're familiar with it. You know, love is patient. Love is kind. Love does not boast. Love keeps no record of wrongs. We, we read this passage at weddings a lot. But this is really talking about the love of God. His love is patient. His love is kind. It's agape love. And what Paul starts talking about, he says, you know, in fact, it's right here in verse 12. He says, nope, go back to verse 12. He says, for now we see in a mirror... Dimly lit. Doesn't that kind of sound like this blind guy in Bethsaida, who's like, "I can see, but it looks like men walking around like trees." We see, but we're seeing in like in a mirror that's dimly lit. We can sort of see who we are now in Christ. We can certainly um, read it and hear it, but but being able to truly comprehend it is very difficult. We see. In a mirror dimly lit, lit, but then, then talking about when this life is in, this life on Earth ends, when we are fully in a, when we are in a new body, without the filter of this mind, but then we'll see face to face. So it's this picture of right now, it's like I'm looking in a mirror, and it's dimly lit, and I can kind of see. Um, I wasn't going to say this, but I'll confess, last night the sun had already set, and I'm so project-driven. I was still working on our siding, and reciting the house, and I was literally painting by cell phone outside. Um, and I couldn't see hardly anything, so I'm going to go fix it all today, you know, with the sun. But it's kind of like the picture I get. It's like, man, I know that there's a house there, and I know that I've got paint on my brush, but I'm just not exactly sure where it all is, is ending up. So I hear Paul saying, we see a little bit of who we are, but it's difficult. It's hard to really comprehend. But there will be a day when this life ends, when we will see face to face. We will see clearly who we are. Remember the man Beside Bethsaida, the blind man? He was seeing dimly lit. He saw the men walking around looking like trees. But then when Jesus touched him that second time, he saw what? He saw clearly. He saw perfectly. He saw as things truly were. And Paul goes on. He says, now, okay, now, life right now, I know in part. He said, I, I don't know the full thing. I know experientially understand the full reality of what I have in Christ. Now, listen, this is a testimony that I can, I can, uh, resonate with. If the apostle Paul himself, now look, the apostle, read 2 Corinthians 13, 14 or so, or maybe it's 12, I forget. But he talks about being taken into the third heaven and he heard what the the the, the, the what the new creation, he heard heaven itself. And he says, these things I heard, there's no human words to actually write them down. Now, this is the apostle Paul who had an experience out of body that none of us have, at least I haven't had. And he is saying, now I don't see clearly. So if he is saying, I don't see it perfectly, I don't see it clearly, I take hope in that. I say, man, if Apostle Paul didn't see it clearly, then that's okay for me when I don't see it clearly. And So he says, now I know in part, I don't know the whole thing. I'm living by faith just like you guys are. I don't don't see the whole picture because the Apostle Paul had a human mind just like we have that's slowly on the 80-year plan being renewed. But now I know in part. But then, okay, but there's going to come a day when this body is taken away like a seed that loses its shell and the life that's in it bursts forth. There's going to come a day when I will know fully. So there's going to come a day when I'll know fully. Right now it just looks like men walking around like trees, but there's going to come a day when I see clearly. And I love this last part of Apostle Paul. He says, as I also, here's some more grammar, sorry, have been fully known. So there's gonna come a day when I will know, I'll know it all, I'll know everything, I'll know what this life in Christ is, I'll know what this is really all about, and I will know it as I have been fully known. So, in other words, I already am. The Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, they already know who I now am, the new man. But there will come a day when I catch up with what they already know. There'll come a day when I will see perfectly like they already see perfectly. So he's not saying that there's going to come a day if I work really, 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 really hard and go through all the sacraments and go through all the ritualistic you know, duties that maybe I will then become something. He's saying that I am this, I just don't see it fully, but one day I will see fully completely who I already am and who I have been since the day of my new birth. Verse 13. He says, but these but 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 now, so see how he's going back and forth. It's like now I know in part, now I see like a dimly lit mirror. It's hard to make out what this reality is. Then I'll see clearly. Then I'll know as I've been known. But now it's not then. Now it's difficult to see. Now it's like men walking around like trees. But then I'll see clearly. And he goes back to, but now faith, hope, and love. We're familiar with this passage. Faith, hope, and love abide these three. Or in other translations, these three remain faith, hope, and love we've got those on you know our coffee mugs, right? you know, bumper stickers. These three remains, but the greatest of these is love. Now what is he getting at? What is he saying? What is he communicating? I could be wrong here, but I hear him saying right now, look, love remains, but faith and hope are very, very critical, because I have to have the faith, even though there's this, there's this thing, I don't see it clearly, but I have faith to believe something that I can't see clearly. I hope for what I've been told, I've, I, I don't see it, I don't experience it like I experience you and sausage and biscuits and all this sort of stuff that we experience all this. I, I don't experience it that same way, but I know it's there. I hope for it, I long for it, I have faith that it's there, but there will come a day Once this world ends, that what also ends? Faith and hope. Faith and hope will end one day. Why? Because when I see clearly, when I see perfectly, when I see face-to-face the reality of who he's made me, when I fully know as I have been known, but when I know that experientially, there will no longer be the need for faith. There will no longer be the need for hope. But what remains? See it? Love. That's why love is the greatest of these, because love never ends. That's how the, verse, the, the chapter starts off. Love never ends. And so here's what I hear Paul saying. Look, there is a reality that it's hard for us right now to see. That you have been made a brand new person, a brand new creation, and you can't see it clearly. Paul can't see it clearly. It's like a mirror dimly lit. I know in part, but a day's gonna come when we will know fully what we have been. And there'll be a day when this living by faith and this living by hope will no longer be necessary. Because love itself, the love of the Father towards you, will remain forever. So, what I hear Jesus in this encounter with the man, the blind man in Bethsaida, what I hear him teaching us, because I don't think Jesus is weak, I don't think Jesus is underestimating the power of blindness and all those silly things. What I hear Jesus saying, or journey marker, what I hear Paul saying is, you know, it's difficult. It's difficult to see who Jesus has made us. Let's just be honest. I mean, let's just call it what it is. It's hard. It's hard, it's hard to believe When we see the the fruit of the old man or the works of the old man so often, it's difficult to see who Jesus has made us. But here's the big, big piece. It doesn't change who he's made us. It's hard to see it it doesn't change it. It's hard to see who he's made me, holy, righteous, blameless, acceptable, beloved, etc. all those things we read earlier. It's hard to see it at times because of the choices we made, to go back to choices that we make, the choices that we make, the decisions that we uh, choose, which sometimes are great decisions, sometimes, let's be honest, they're not so great decisions. But it doesn't change who he's made me. And so the question is, are we going to take the next step in our life in the confidence of who He says we are, in the confidence of what He's made us, in the confidence of this love that remains forever? Or are we going to take the next step basing an unseen reality on stuff we can see? And that's really hard for us. I mean, religion itself over the last 2,000 years has slowly, rapidly at times, but has digressed to just interpreting the unseen reality by what we can see. Meaning, well, I see you sinning, and so therefore you still are a sinner. You still sin, so therefore you are still a dirty rotten worm. And so the proof They would say it's in the pudding. Well, I say the proof is in the promise. And the promise, that's good, I should write that down. The proof is in the promise. The promise is that he has made us new. And if this man who he heals in touch number one, he says, man, I see something. But it's just, it's weird. It's like trees walking around. It's not clear. But Jesus didn't leave him there. What if he did? He didn't leave him there. He touched him a second time, I think, to teach us that one day, the stripping away of these blinders, the stripping away of this filter, this fleshly filter, if you will, will end, and one day we will know as we are known. So do we need more faith? I don't think so. We live by faith, sure, but it's not the size of our faith that Jesus is looking for. I think it's the object of our faith that he's looking for. What is it you're actually trusting? Do we need more hope? Well, because these are good. These things remain, faith and hope. Do we need more hope? I'm not saying we should have less hope for in, by any stretch, but again, it's like faith. It's, what are we hoping in? The greatest of these, the eternal of these, is love. Jesus Christ, God himself who is love. And so I'm just going to go out on a limb and say, I want to see clearer. I want these men walking around like trees over the next 80 years of my life to get clearer and clearer of what it truly is that I am now in Christ. I want that mirror that's dimly lit to get a little bit brighter and a little bit brighter so that through the renewing of my mind, I begin in this world as I still, I don't want to just wait till I die physically. I want to see in this world who I truly am. And what I hear the apostle reminding us is, hey, faith is important, baby. You got to live by faith. Hope. Man, we hope in the promises of God, but we have to base it all. It's all rooted in the very love of Christ towards us. Listen, if we are not convinced that the God of the universe has you in his square, uh, squarely in his crosshairs when it comes to the dispersing, dispensing of his love, if you do not realize that God loves you with an inexplainable love, it doesn't matter how much faith we have. What does Paul say? I could have faith to move a mountain, but if I have not, what? We all to say it together? Love. I can speak like angels, the greatest orator ever, but if I have not love, I'm only a noisy gong, a clanging cymbal. Do you see that? We have to be convinced of this love he has for us, because as we are, it gets clearer it gets clearer. It gets clearer. It won't ever be perfectly clear, but it gets clearer. And we begin to live out what he has placed in. You know, so as maybe you're a mom, a wife, and it's so hard to see this. It's so hard to, to wrap your mind around, because life is just filled with the busyness and the chaoticness and the the, the running around, you've got kids, you've got a husband, you've got a job, you've got demands, you've got all these things. And so it's so hard, there's so many distractions, so many things pulling us away from just resting in this love the Father has for us. As husbands, we've got the pressures of, of, of providing, the pressures of, 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 of raising children and a family. We've got the pressures of life. And it gets so distracting, and we get duped, and we forget the only thing that's going to open our eyes to see better and better, clearer and clearer, is really believing how much He actually loves us. I'm going to close with this one little story, and we're going to um, open up the mic for anyone who might have a word of encouragement or maybe even a testimony of seeing clearer, clearer, clear early what God has actually made you in the new man. <clears throat> Back in the Old Testament, uh, David's son was, became the king, Solomon. And he, man, he taxed the people heavily and created a lot of revenue. He conquered a lot of other, other kingdoms and took all their spoils. And Jerusalem, uh, the kingdom of Israel, was a very, very um, uh, materialistically glamorous place. The the temple itself, the palaces, these things that he built were fantastic. Some of the wonders of man's creation, in fact. And there was a queen called the Queen of Sheba who had heard of all the things that had been done in Jerusalem. She had never seen it, but she had heard of it. She had heard the testimony. She had heard the reports. Maybe even she saw sketches. I don't know. But she had heard the reports. And she wanted to see it for herself. And so she travels to Jerusalem to see what King Solomon had done. And she was blown away. She had heard what it was like. She had heard testimonies. She had heard firsthand accounts. She had read what it was like. But she had never seen it clearly with her own eyes. And her report... After she had seen what she had seen, after she had experienced she had experienced, the grandeur of the temple, the grandeur of the, the palaces and the streets and the, 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 the things made by human hands, her report was not even the half has been told. All the things she had read, she, not even the half of the grandeur of what I just saw has been told. It is so glorious, it is so grand, Grand. it is so amazing. Not even the half has been written about this place. I want us to think about what we truly have in Christ. I want us to think about who we truly are in Christ. Do you think that even in this book that I love with all my heart, the Scriptures, do you think that it even contains the fullness of what we actually have in Christ? I mean, I want you to think of every single Christian book that's been written over the last 2,000 years. Do you really think that the books that man has written, certainly, hopefully, you know, in partnership with even the Lord, you know, but I don't mean like Scripture, but just, you know, books that 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 are great gospel books. Do you think even those books contain the fullness of what we actually have in Christ, I think if right now, if we were all to be, as Paul was, taken to the third heaven and to see truly what we actually are, who we actually are, and what we actually have now in him, I think our testimony collectively would be not even the half of the half of the half of the half has been told of who we really are now of what He's really made us. And I'm just suggesting to us as a church, man, let's don't wait until we die and then we see it completely. That would be fantastic. Man, let's live in that reality now. Let's live by faith in this love that He has for us. Will I not find faith when I return to this world? So Jesus, remember, He's on His way to Jerusalem. He's headed towards His crucifixion and to His death. He's about to say things like, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men and women to myself. Meaning, if I be raised, the entire Adamic world, the entire Adamic race will be placed in me, and I will die, thus putting an end to the Adamic race so that there will be a whole new people, a whole new race, a whole new priesthood, as as Peter calls it. So are we willing to maybe today scratch our head a little bit and say, wow, you know, there really is something grand There is really something, I don't know if we say mystical, but but amazing, awesome of what he's made me. And I don't see it clearly. I see it a little bit, maybe a portion. Looks like some men walking around like trees. One day I'll see fully. But I want to every day grow in the revelation of Christ because as I get to know him more, I get to know who I am more because I am in him. And he is in me. I hope that makes some sense. I hope it's encouraging to us and edifying for us to continue pressing in on who we actually are. I think even his miracles, at least this miracle, is a picture, a a, a teaching moment for us to discover a little bit further. While we can't see it fully today, it doesn't mean that it's not reality. Well, let me open up the floor with that being said to see if there are any words of encouragement, maybe questions, maybe how could it ever be in understood that way? It's got to be this. I don't know. What, we just want to, I, I firmly believe that the body of Christ is a body. It's not just one or two you know, speaking heads. I really would love for the body to share thoughts and encouragement and even questions of for clarity and whatnot. But maybe there's not, but if there is anybody who would like to share a question, or to raise a point, or to um, speak a word, feel free. Oh, John, yeah. Fantastic. I'm always worried that that first person's, everybody, there's always a first person, but I'm always worried that there's not going to be that first person. I don't know why. I
2: was just thinking a little bit, and a thought come to me. I don't know, and you guess a thought, question maybe. When you said about the proof being in the promise, made me think kind of it. And <clears throat> the way our human minds the flesh on the outside still works and will continue to work until we die and have but the faith hope and love and, and we know that there's supposed to be trust in christ that being said the thought i thought of the way our human minds are made to work if we could see who we were clearly there would probably, from our human perspective, be no need for trust in living out of who you are in Christ. But he gives us a glimpse and allows you to see yourself more clearly for who you are as you grow in who Christ and who you are. But he will only allow you to fully see who you are once you've entered into the next life, for the sake of a lack of a better word, I guess. And i just seen myself as that. And it might be wrong, but it's a thought I've seen it that are a picture of who how we work and how he's created our minds to work that if he would, he don't allow us to see ourselves completely as who we are so we still trust in his promise and live so we continue to want to always glean from who we are and always strive or for the hope like you said you to have where if we could see who we were it probably at least for me anyway, maybe it would give you less of a drive for the lack of, maybe use that word, to live out or to seek after Christ maybe. Not only just a thought I had, that you know, if you could see yourself clearly, right. it would, as who we really are, it would maybe from a human perspective, we would maybe put ourselves on a higher level than what maybe we would and we would last, would fail to, trust, I guess. Yeah, I mean, it's
1: certainly possible. I, I think it, it definitely causes us to grow grow in our understanding of our dependence upon Jesus, certainly. certainly. Um, I'm of the persuasion that um, as I see who I am clearer and clearer, I actually live in that reality clearer and clearer. So that's why I want to see more and more who I actually am, because then I actually live that who I am, because our identity is what shapes us. It, it, what, it's what motivates us is what empowers us and so as as i see my true identity more and more that that generates within me a desire to be that to 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 live that out because it's who i am um but as i can't see it fully clearly it definitely drives me into dependency upon him father show me father reveal father father yeah that i definitely agree with that part yeah for sure awesome awesome yeah jim Uh, Would you mind, John? Yeah, thanks.
3: You know, like you said, Walt, the, the key to the gospel is seeing. Yeah. And somebody said one time, in real estate, the three most important things are location, location, location. And in seeing the gospel, the three most important things are awareness, 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 seeing who you are. And, of course, you know, all the scriptures point to this, to Jesus and his work. And if you look at even in Psalms 23, uh, verse 2, it says, uh, you know, he leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. Well, that can, that can be written like this, by the waters of reflection, my soul remembers who I am. So, you know, you can imagine still waters and the Lord's leading you by the, and it's still, and you look down and you see your reflection. And that's Psalm 23. In Psalm sixteen, eleven it says, in your presence is fullness of joy the Hebrew word there, uh, in your presence, means face-to-face. What you just read, you just read. I am mirrored in you. That, that's what the, pres- the word, Hebrew word presence means. And uh, completeness of joy is to see the Father's face mirrored in the reflection of your own. That's the intentions behind, behind that. So it's just neat how in Old Testament scriptures, you know, it's hidden all these nuggets of the finished work of Christ. So.
1: That is so cool. The still waters. I never thought about that. The mirror, the reflection. It calms my soul are reminding me who I am. Man, that's awesome. Did you grab it, Jonas?
4: Yeah, I was uh, reflecting on the idea of us not seeing ourselves or each other the way God sees us, that righteousness, holiness, and purity. And, and I was reminded of the, the scripture that says something to the effect. It's been a while since I read it. Something to the effect that you know or we all know that a prophet is not acceptable in his hometown or in the the congregation, and sometimes uh, evangelists are most effective away from home. And then I was just reflecting as you were going through, why is that? Um, And I think it's because we know their lives. We, We see sin. We see fault. We see weakness, which is to be human. And... Um, so the challenge to me is that is a, perhaps one of the reflections, one of the reasons that we see dimly because the sin that so easily besets us, if we focus on that rather than where God has placed us through Jesus Christ, which was absolutely perfect and holy before him. You know, my wife and I probably view each other probably more critically than anybody else in our lives we are the closest together and yet i know in my heart that my wife is absolutely one with the father and with fellow believers through god but i am my vision is dim because we rub shoulders and anyway just a thought I
1: no, that's, that's a good word. Um, and so when he says faith, hope, and love, the greatest of these is love. When, as our eyes are shifted off of, as you're talking about, you know, the, 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 the tension between each other and also as our eyes are shifted on, onto the love of the Father towards us, it, it generates within us a revelation of what this love has created and, and who we now are, and then that allows us to see clearer of who he's made us now. Uh, yeah, that's good. That's that's a good word, man. Yeah, fantastic. Any other thoughts? Comments, ideas, abstentions? I don't even know. They always say that, you know, whatever that is. Uh, deletions? You shouldn't have said this, Walt. This is not right. There's another thing they say all the time. Speak now or forever hold your peace. No, I'm just <laughs> Isn't it encouraging, though, to know that the Apostle Paul... Has, uh, he says, I see dimly. I mean, if he says I see dimly, then I, I'm, I feel like we're in good company. Uh, but it doesn't change. You got the journey market, Yeah. Even though it's difficult, it doesn't change who he's made us. Even though it's very difficult at times to see who he's made us. And it causes me, maybe like what John is saying, to just press in a little bit further. And press in a little bit further to really live in that reality. Charles, any words? All right, I see that hand. <coughs> uh,
5: we, we're glad to be here. One thing, uh, we miss you guys, we missed the teaching. And I just, uh, you guys, I hope you realize how special this teaching is. Uh, we took a trip, <clears throat> went over to Utah and came back through Texas. And we got to see, uh, we got to attend uh, Andrew Farley's church, but it's just, you know, this is so good, and and I, you know, I so hope uh, everybody's eyes are, you know, just open more so to see the, to see this gospel, the truth, how freeing it is, and that it just. It's so good, that, and and it works so good that it just makes you want to share it, and and that's what it's all about. It's not you have to, but you want to, and uh, but we've uh, we're kind of torn. It says we're looking for a direction. We have, and we and maybe we found it. Uh, we're torn between here, Texas, and Ohio. <laughs> and and the lord stopped us in ohio you know through norma's father passed away so we're kind of there for a while and maybe maybe for a long while we don't know for sure but we do miss it here we miss you guys miss the mountains we miss just the area the people and so just uh i just encourage all of you guys to no matter what happens i mean uh, that this word just will will keep on going on because you can't you can 't help but want to pass it on and so I just want to encourage you guys just just keep hanging in there and supporting walt and anyway thank you
1: thanks charles amen all right let 's uh stand and close with a word of prayer we 'll uh be dismissed um yeah let's pray father we thank you for um just a very unique teaching moment with jesus and this man we don't know his name this blind man from Bethsaida. um we believe that you are not weak we believe that you are not you are not overcome by the power of this blindness we believe that there's a teaching moment maybe we've are correct in our understanding of what the teaching moment is. Maybe we're not, but we certainly resonate with the Apostle Paul that it's hard for us to see who we really are. And I just pray, God, as a body of believers, that we would be just that. We would believe, but not just in abstract things, but we would believe in the concrete reality of this love you have for us and this love that has transformed us, this love that has quickened our dead spirit, soul into a whole new creation, a life together, this love that has now joined us to you, this love that has now overwhelmed us into a whole new life. May this love be so real to us that nothing can ever compare to it, that we don't have to search for it in relationships, significance in this world because this world will always come up empty, short. Thank you for what we have in Jesus. May we live in that reality today. Thank you for these, for those who couldn't be here. May we walk this week in the confidence of who you've made us, even though we can't see it. That's what's so wild about this thing of Christianity. We can't see it clearly, but it doesn't change what it is, and who we are. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Have a great week, guys.
0: Thank you again for listening to today's podcast of the teaching at Life Journey Church in Crozet, Virginia. We'd love to hear from you. If God is doing something special in your life, let us know by sending an email to info at lifejourneyva.com. Feel free to pass today's teaching on to any friends and family that you'd like, but please don't change any of it or charge for it. This podcast is made available for free as a ministry of Life Journey Church. If you would like to support the proclamation of the gospel of the grace of God, you can make a donation now on our website, lifejourneyva.com. Have a great day.